0: You need Indeed. Ready, down, This is the
1: Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson. Zach Pearson. And Aaron Lemming. Aaron Lemming. Providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming.
2: What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bearport Podcast. There have been changes at Halas Hall. Wednesday brought a slew of coaching moves um, for the Chicago Bears. It was first reported earlier in the day, I believe. You know, Tom Pelissero and Rappaport, a bunch of NFL Network insiders, had the firing of Luke Getzey um quarterbacks coach Andrew Janoko, wide receivers coach Ty Tolbert the Bears then announced you know it was more than that it was running backs coach Omar Young and assistant tight ends coach Tim Zetz have all been relieved of their duties Matt Eberflus is back he has not been fired the Bears are going to run it back with Matt Eberflus. and now the biggest question for the entire rest of the offseason is what will the Bears do at the quarterback position I'm your host, Zach Pearson. We're going to break all of that down in this quick podcast that we're going to do regarding today's events. There was a press conference at Hallis Hall. Matt Riffle spoke. Ryan Pohl spoke. Kevin Warren spoke. About an hour and 35-ish minutes total. We're going to give our reaction. It just wrapped up literally like 4.45, 5 o'clock-ish. If we do all that, though, let me bring in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, we recorded on Monday night And we kind of felt like something was going to happen eventually this week. I'm not shocked at all. I thought it was going to be Luke Getze. I thought Matty Rufus would be safe. Um, And now, you know, the rest of the offensive moves, they they only actually only kept two um, coaches. They kept Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach, and um, Jim Dre, the tight ends coach. I'm going to guess you're, you're, you're pretty much not shocked at this either.
1: No, I'm not. I mean, we talked about this on the podcast you know, when we did one, what was that Monday? And I mean, obviously we went pretty in depth with why they should have fired Matt reflues. I still feel the same exact way. I still feel like they should have fired Matt reflues, but you know what, dude, it is what it is at this point. Like I'm going to lose my mind if I continue to beat the same damn horse over and over. So yeah, I mean, it, I, it was kind of one of the, and I I feel like we talked about it before. I know I tweeted like kind of jokingly tweeted about it a few weeks ago with Brad Spielberger, where I basically, you know, said like, because he was talking about his, you know, somebody asked him what his, his top head coaching candidate for the Bears was, and he said Ben Johnson. And I said, well, you're going to get Matty Ruffluz, Frank Reich at offensive coordinator, drafted quarterback number one overall, and you're going to like it. And it's like, now we're looking at a situation where Matty Ruffluz is here. Um, I, the more and more I think about it, I, I, I don't think Frank Reich is going to be the guy. I hope Frank Reich isn't the guy. I don't know how you can possibly justify bringing in Frank Reich when his offenses or his offensive lines have had a lot of issues and then you look at what happened in in, uh, in Carolina last year I mean regardless of the fact man like it's just regardless of what quarterback the Bears have, they're going to be developing a quarterback whether that's Justin Fields going into year four, or whether that's a rookie at number one overall, whether they trade down a little bit, I don't care. Like they're going to be developing a quarterback unless they magically surprise everybody and they go out and they sign somebody like Kirk cousins, which to me, doesn't seem overly likely. So it's like, you're going to be developing a young quarterback and a guy like Frank, Reich, I just, I don't, there, there's not a track record there. You can't go there. And I think that, you know, as we kind of, you know, went through the press conference and all that stuff today and listen, I think one of the biggest things moving forward that we can kind of look for, and it's open for interpretation, I guess, but like the, the ability to adapt is going to be big and, you know, there's going to be a lot of names So, out at offensive coordinator. It's a very, obviously it's a very important hire. I, I do honestly think that this is probably going to be the difference between, you know, us talking about Maddie reflues being fired next year and not. Um, You know, so it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. But I mean, overall, it's like I know a few people were kind of upset that Chris Morgan didn't get fired. I don't think he's a great offensive line coach, but I like if you look at the development, I mean, at least from my perspective, like he's developed like I give him full credit for developing Tevin Jenkins because Tevin Jenkins didn't really play in year one. His last two years, they move him in the guard. He's been freaking awesome outside of obviously that Packers game this last weekend. He's done a great job in developing uh, Braxton Jones, you know, a, a fifth round tackle that they literally just threw at left tackle as rookie year and said, all right, figure it out. And then I thought they I, I thought uh, overall, I thought um, um, now I'm going to draw Darnell, uh, Darnell Wright was, you know, had a pretty solid rookie year overall. I mean, you never really have too high of expectations for rookie offensive tackles. I thought he played pretty well, so I get it. Um, I was a little surprised with the Tyke Tolbert one just because of his reputation. I mean, if you look at it, Darno Mooney's numbers have dropped significantly since uh, Matty Bifluz took over and they really haven't developed anybody behind them. So I get it. Um, you know, it, it just kind of is what it is at this point. I mean, like, obviously, I guess we should probably talk about the defensive coordinator spot, too, although I don't really know that that means a whole lot because it sure sounds like Matty Bifluz is going to be calling the plays. But. I I don't have a running tally, but I mean, he's like through two years, uh, he's miserably failed at hiring an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. And when it's all said and done going into year three, he's going to turn over well over half of his coaching staff uh, since he was hired. So that's kind of interesting.
2: Yeah. It, you know, like I said, it, it wasn't surprising to me. Um, you know, and it was kind of interesting to hear Matt Eberfos today during the press conference. Um, you know, kind of par- per- paraphrase it. He said, "Yeah, you know, we um, our phones have been ringing about the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator job. It's a desirable job. I don't know. I think you can look at it a few different ways. Like, I think you can look at it as, okay, Iberfuss is probably going to try and bring one of his buddies in. I I don't think they're going to go outside the box and bring in, you know, someone like Kellen Moore." Um, you know, you see on social media like Cliff Kingsbury is being thrown out there. I, I don't think they're gonna do anything like that. Um, <clears throat> you know, or they, they somehow find a guy they like, an up and coming offensive coordinator. I don't think they should be scared to hire someone that could be going after Matty Ruffles' job. I, I, I just don't think they should be scared of doing that. Um, You know, if Matt Eberflus fails, but to me, I can kind of you know, the biggest thing with this is I feel like now, so Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are totally connected. We don't know, correct me if I'm wrong here, we don't know the contract of Matt Eberflus or Ryan Poles because the Bears declined to talk about it.
1: We don't know for sure, but Brad Biggs is pretty sure it's four years for Eberflus. Which is so
2: standard. Like three to yeah. four years is pretty standard.
1: Four to five usually is standard. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I, I think the original expectation was that it was five because and that's something that I think people kind of forget. Like, dude, when the when the Bears hired Poles and Eberflus, they were not an attractive job at all. Like, it was – because I, I think most people knew, like, it was an old roster, they were in cap hell, this needed a rebuild. So I think the prevailing thought behind it was I th- I'm pretty sure – I read something saying that Ryan Poles got five years. Um, but I think the reason that Poles got five years is because uh Minnesota was also pretty hot and heavy after him as well. But yeah, it, it, I, I would be willing to take Brad Biggs's speculation or whatever, whatever you want to call it as a pretty good indication that Iber is on four years.
2: Okay. So they're they're pretty much tied together. Um and you know, depending on what the Bears do with their quarterback situation in the offseason, obviously they could, you know, hitch their wagon to to, to Justin Fields. And if that burns down and in flames, you know, maybe him and Ibrahulus are gone. I tend, I don't know if you agree or not with this. I tend to think Ibrahulus has those two years, unless everything goes just totally south. Next year they start zero and six, one and six, whatever it is. They don't recover he'll be gone. But I think next year, if you draft Caleb Williams, if you draft Drake May, whatever it may be, Eberflus has next year to see the development of the quarterback, and then it'd be 2025 to be a legit run at the playoffs. I do think they could make the playoffs next year. I think they can make it with Justin Fields, potentially, if he gets better. I think they can make it with a rookie quarterback. I'm not saying it's going to be exactly like C.J. Stroud. I would be floored if they went and drafted Caleb Williams and this team won three games next year. So I think Iber you know, like he's got those two years to, you know, show the improvement, get to the playoffs. Um, but yeah, now we know, you know, like Ryan Poles, Iber they're they're pretty much tied together. And I and I do think I'm your opinion on this. Unless something goes crazy south, let's say, you know, the Bears are in a situation where they um don't get to the playoffs next year. They get to the playoffs in, let's say, 2025. They lose in the first round. There's just no progress. Do you see the situation where they keep Ryan Poles and fire Matt Averfuss? I, I think that's a very a, a, a likely possibility. See, I don't
1: know, man, because I feel like Ryan Poles had the opportunity to distance himself from Matty Bafuas. Like he could have very easily—he did one
2: hundred percent. He
1: did, and he didn't. And I, I don't know, man. Like, and and I know that there's going to be people who disagree and say this is why the Bears are constantly in this position because they're constantly firing people and they're constantly having to rehire and rebuild. But it's like, like you had—I cannot stress this enough. Like, the Bears had a prime opportunity at their at their fingertips man they have the number one overall pick they have 62 and a half million dollars in cap space plenty of flexibility left their I mean their roster is you know is improving like they would have been without a question the top job on the market and that's talking about even with Seattle in the mix and and everything else that's been going on like they would have been without a doubt the most attractive job in the market. For a head coach, because of what it all entails, you can keep Justin Fields, you can draft a quarterback, you've got all this ammunition to do basically whatever the hell you want, and they didn't do it. So, to me, it's kind of the same concept as if we get to April and Ryan Poles or before April, whatever, and we get to we we get there and Ryan Poles decides that he's going to trade the number one overall pick and he trades down again, and they roll Justin Fields and Justin Fields comes out and just completely shits the bed. Like, at that point in time, again, like, if, if Justin Fields is bad, then the Bears aren't going to be good. Like, I don't care how good the roster is around him. If, if you have a bad quarterback, you're not going to win a ton of games. And I think, again, in that scenario, I think that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are pretty much tied at the hip. Like, usually GMs get two um, two head coaches if it's relatively recent. But I do think that especially, and again, I I guess this is my other thought. I, Kevin Warren is not who we thought he was. Like, I I don't. I, I just, I, I fail to believe after all of the speculation throughout this year about, well, neither one of these guys were Kevin Warren's pick and Kevin Warren may want his own guys. Like, I'm sorry, but I fail to believe that the guy that's always talking about how he wants to win and how he's impatient and everything else like that would somehow keep a head coach that has a combined 10 wins in two years and had the, you know, all the chaos that happened this year. So to me personally, I think, that if things go south in 2024 with Matt Eberflus I think that Ryan Poles is going to be out with him because I think another big part of this is going to be the quarterback equation like you said because again man like this is the bears are in such a unique position take the take the head coaching stuff out of it it is what it is at this point cuz here's the reality like I don't think Matt Eberflus is a good head coach I don't think he's going to be a good head coach but I do think if you get the right offensive mind in here I think that things change drastically. I think the ceiling of this team goes up drastically because their offense has been so pathetic over the last two years that you finally get the right offensive mind in. And it's probably not going to matter who you have at quarterback. So I think that, You know, it's one of the, like you said, if they draft a rookie quarterback, are are playoffs really a realistic expectation? Probably not. But at the same time, like the Bears are in such a unique position because they're not a bad team. Like they very clearly proved uh, against good teams that they're not a good team yet. But we've seen teams flip you know, between, you know, basically being on the verge and then being a good team the next year. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility, especially with the way their schedule looks next year with opponents. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could easily win nine or 10 games, even with a rookie quarterback. And the reason for that is, is because their roster is not number one overall quality roster. Like they've got the cat flexibility. Like we talked about, they've got the number one overall pick. They've got a number nine overall pick. They have, plenty of flexibility to move around so i feel like even with the rookie quarterback it's like the offensive line needs some work obviously you know they got dj Moore, they've got cole Komet, like they have pieces there like it's not going to be hard to improve the offense and i think i mean just look at what bobby slowick did as the offensive coordinator in in uh, houston this year talking about cj Stroud, dude look at their offensive line week one week two and week three like just look at the amount of injuries that that offensive line had. Look at who C.J. Stroud was throwing the ball to. It was basically a bunch of unproven guys that have now, again, they've proven themselves. Nico Collins had a great season. Tank Dell looked great as a rookie before he got hurt. But again, like he didn't have a ton of weapons. Like Going into the year, most people had the Texans as a 3- or 4-1 team. Nobody really thought they were going to do anything. So perception in the NFL changes very quickly. Um, so that's why... I don't know if I'd say a playoff mandate for, you know, if they have a rookie quarterback, if they have Justin Fields, I absolutely think everything's going to be on the table. But that's kind of what I tweeted about earlier too, was I think the Bears have forced themselves into two positions. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being too cynical. Maybe I've, I've pigeonholed this way too much. I think the two situations are this, you either keep uh, you either keep Justin Fields, like if you decide to trade down and you keep Justin Fields, uh, then you better hope you make the playoffs and you better hope that Justin Fields is the quarterback of the future. Because if not, the chances of you getting a top two pick again next year are ridiculously low. I mean, let's just be honest. The the fact that it happened twice in two years, twice in a row, it's not going to happen again. So that's the one option. The second option is, and, and like I said, that would be a like a win now mandate. If they don't win, they're all out. The second option would be you buy yourself a little bit more time in a window, at least in my personal opinion, you extend, like if you take a quarterback, like if you take a rookie quarterback at number one overall, and you trade Justin Fields, you extend Matt Eberflus a year. So if we're assuming he's on a four-year deal, then at the end of this year, he would be going into a lame duck year. So you would extend him one year and you would basically give him the grace of the next two years to say, Hey, we've got a rookie quarterback. We need to see progress. But I mean, dude, let's be honest. Like, With these rookie quarterbacks, with these young quarterbacks, you usually know, you usually have a pretty good idea coming out of a rookie year like what you've got in a quarterback, especially if you've got a stud. Like if you've got a C.J. Stroud, if you've got one of those kind of guys, a Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, you know almost immediately that that's going to be the guy. But that way it doesn't force him into a situation where either you're stuck not wanting to play the guy because you're afraid you're going to lose your job or two, you're rushing him to get him in the game because that's your, your, you know, get him in the games if he's not ready to go because that's your best option. So those would be my two things right now.
2: Yeah, and, you know, just looking at this overall situation, I think what frustrates me and what frustrates a lot of people, you know, I saw on social media is like they had the chance to go out and change history in this franchise, do something they haven't done do something bold. Like the head coaching candidate pool right now, it's really good. I mean, you know, I, I think Pete Carroll is obviously probably going to stay in Seattle. I don't know if that's been announced or not, but probably stay in Seattle and work like in the front office, I think, or something like that.
1: I will see, man. I know that, that's, that, that, that's, that rumor. that's what they, well, they said that he was going to take like an advisor role, but I don't know if you watch his press conference from today. I did, he not. did not. He did not look like a guy that was ready to stop coaching.
2: Yeah, I, I did not see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a talented pool. Like the whole hardball rumors, which you know, Ryan Poles obviously is gonna say, "No, I didn't call him when when uh, Matty Griffith was sitting right there." Um, but yeah, I mean, they could have done something. They 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 just they went with what was most likely as as the days were going on. It's just frustrating. It's like the same old cycle to see what they're gonna do again if they draft a quarterback they're gonna be pairing them with a a coach that you know they could fire next I don't it's just it's frustrating I think a lot more people are hoping for a bigger move
1: um well but I guess that's kind of my point I feel like if they if dude if regardless of how we feel about Eberflus, like if you draft a quarterback like in the first round especially number one overall like dude you've got you've got to you have to break the cycle somehow like You have to give that two years. Like, unless it's an absolute disaster like it was for Bryce Young this year, like you have to give that two years because the historic, like historically speaking, the track record of a quarterback that loses his head coach after his rookie year, the track record is awful with those with those quarterbacks. Like that's that's like one of the cardinal sins in all this is to switch their offense after year one or switch their head coach after year one.
0: We're driven by the search for better.
2: Yeah, and and you know they just but they just like they do everything like they like, just do everything backwards, man. It's like the same cycle, it's like the same stuff over and over and over and over and over and over. Like am I was I just like getting my hopes up. I mean I wasn't getting my hopes up, but like was I just like were we like all blinded by this? Like I know you expected him to return. Well,
1: yeah, well, I, I think it's tough, man, because I think like if you if you asked me after they blew that game, well frankly, up until they won that game in Minnesota. I don't know why, man, like they blew that game in Detroit. I'm like, Oh, this is done. And then they won that yeah. game in Minnesota and they went into the bye week. And I'm like, hmm. I just, that, I don't know why that felt like a weirdly monumental win even in the moment because it wasn't the fact that they played well. Cause they, frankly, they didn't play well. Their defense looked great, but they didn't play well at all. I mean, they, they basically made Josh Dobbs look like Josh Dobbs, you know, before this year, but like, it just there was something about it that felt momentous because it was like they had every opportunity in the world to blow that game like they should have blown that game and they somehow come back and they won and then they went in the bye week and then it was like the Detroit as soon as they beat Detroit I'm sitting there thinking I'm like well this is not yeah. trending in the way I mean we we talked about that multiple times like we it, it just but he was that, one of,
2: like that that's, that's like his signature win is beating a a divisional team at home it's like it's insane to me
1: yeah, well, I mean, I don't disagree. I, I really don't. I mean, it, it's it. I don't know, man. It and I think that that's kind of the that's kind of the thing where it's like very clearly this team's better. We know this team's better, but at the same time, like I still feel like the gap between them being like where they are right now, between the gap of them being able to get in the playoffs and it, it, even like win a game, it seems it it, it seems pretty wide and and i i don't know man i'm like i get what kevin warren's saying everything came together but like also pretending like the rams winning seven combined games oh, in gosh. two years and then the, 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 the third year, year. Oh,
2: God.
1: it's like dude that's that's not that's not normal like teams <sighs> don't do like the, the the stuff that happened with the Bengals. i remember every a few years ago everybody was thinking that the bears are going to be the Bengals, and you know when they drafted justin fields and it's like dude that's not that's not the way that works, and like the groundwork has to be laid in terms of like with the Bengals, for example, with Joe Burrow. Do they had multiple years of top five picks? Like they had Jamar Chase, they got Joe Burrow, they had they had all sorts of random picks that they had, and that you know, like they spent years building that roster, and fans just expected like you know, Matt Eberflus stepped in, and all of a sudden, why not us? Why not us? Why can't they be? It's like. because, because that's not how things work. Like that's so. That's kind of where I struggle with. Because yes, Kevin Warren has been in two different buildings that have had successful teams that he's overseen or whatever the hell you want to call it. I mean, what well, you know, he was there in the building when they got better. But like using the Rams as an example as to why you think things are magically going to be great in year three and why you decided to stay the court. And that's the other thing that's funny to me, like. You're staying the course yet. You just basically fired your entire offensive staff and you need
2: to hire two new coordinators. Like, Oh, I mean, do we even have to talk about like the list of coaches under Matt Urfus fired or let go or resigning?
1: Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. Like this whole, Oh, we're about continuity. It's like, but are you really? Because the offensive side of the ball is going to have to learn a brand new offense and get used to a brand new set of coaches. The defensive side of the ball, okay, Matt Eberflus comes back. There's still going to be a new defensive coordinator. Like it's the roster's still going. Like this whole continuity thing. It's like okay, but like you're still going to spend money in free agency. Like you're still like. Luckily for them, they don't actually have a ton of free agents, which is great. I think they get. I think they have like 12 or 13 free agents. This is like this yeah. the lowest list of free agents i've seen the bears with in a long time and frankly even out of that i think they're going to probably resign like four or five of them, and then that's going to be it like there's there's not going to be the turnover we've seen in the last two years but there's still going to be a decent amount of turnover on this roster more than like a winning team would have so it's like like keeping your head coach and claiming continuity is kind of strange to me especially considering like they don't know who their starting quarterback's gonna be next year, you know. Like, I don't know, man. Like it it, it is what it is, the eye of the beholder, whatever. It just it it I, I think I'll 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 know how to feel like I know how I feel right now. I think I'll have a better idea of how to feel when we see what they do at offensive coordinator. Because I'll be honest, man. Like, I, I know people keep saying this, and I know Matt Eberflew said today that their phones have been ringing off the hooks for how attractive this job is, maybe that's the case. I'll be honest, I don't buy that for a minute. Dude, there's six openings right now. There's probably going to be seven openings for head coaching spots. So one, like if you want any coordinator of worth, offensive coordinator of worth, you're going to be waiting to see who gets interviews and who doesn't. And then from there, then you have to wonder like, you know, how many def- like there's been a lot of talk that there's going to be a decent amount of defensive minds that are going to get hired this year. So let's just say even if three out of the seven openings are defensive minded head coaches, like the top offensive minds that want to p- call plays, that's where they're going to go. So it's just like hiring. I think that's kind of the thing is like hiring an offensive coordinator seems cool in theory, but I think what we're going to end up seeing with the Bears, unless they get really lucky and they're able to land uh, um, uh, Shane Waldron or something like that, is I think we're going to end up seeing either a guy from college like Liam Cohen or we're going to see a retread. Maybe if they get lucky and everything checks out, maybe they go Eric the I was looking today. He hasn't had a single interview request yet. So I think that that's kind of notable, which has been a trend over the last two years. So
2: is he, like, he did the interview for the commander shop? No. I thought he I thought I saw something he was interviewing for the commander I don't
1: think so. I because I specifically looked that up unless the what because I usually expected to maybe. No, no, Hmm. he wasn't on the interview list that I saw.
2: Okay. Yeah, I I don't know. I thought I saw something that like he was maybe it was like speculation he would or something.
1: Yeah, no, they have a a decently long list of head coaches that they're already planning the interview, and he was not on it from what I saw. Oh wow. So, Yeah, so I you know it but like I said, I mean it just it feels like it feels like unless the Bears get lucky, we're basically looking at either like a retread, like a like a Frank Reich, or I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's a there's a laundry list of names there. Or you're looking at going more of a risky slash unconventional route with a guy like Liam Cohen from college. Yes, he was with the Rams, you know, whatever, but he didn't call plays because Sean they call plays. Or you go with another Luke Getsy type where you're basically poaching a quarterbacks coach or whatever, maybe Clint Kubiak, who I guess is technically, I think he's the offensive coordinator in San Francisco, but he doesn't call plays. And, you know, I, I I don't know. I just, I don't know that I see, like, I know people are excited and I, and I agree with getting Getze out of the building, but I just, I don't know that I see as much upside in who they're going to hire. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, do you feel differently?
2: Uh, no, um, I think you're right. I think you're spot on with that. I just, I don't know, man. They're like, I don't think we'll get a sexy hire. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I don't think like, I don't know. I don't think there's gonna be like a sexy hire. I think it's just gonna be like a basic hire someone with experience that's with, um, flu. So you know, what would be kind of funny though. I think it was, um, so James Fox had brought this up. Did you see what he brought up about Josh McDaniels first hire was going to be Matt Eberflus? Yeah, I really, (laughs) could you
1: imagine? No, I could not. I don't even want to think (laughs) about it. I luckily, I think that because it's the bears, they would take one look at him and be like, that's not a culture fit at all. We're not doing that. That guy's. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Especially after the whole Raiders situation. Like maybe if this was a few years ago, you know, when McDaniels was like the hot up and coming coaching, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's. I just thought, I just found kind of found that funny because I looked it up and there's like an ESPN article like McDaniel's you know quote unquote took the job and it's like his first hire is gonna be Matt Eberfuss from the, the linebackers coach from the Dallas Cowboys. I said that to a friend of mine. And he's like, I I will literally drive as far as I can to get away <laughs> from this damn franchise. But I don't know, man. Like I like I said, I don't. Ex- I I think we're on the same page. Like I I don't expect like a sexy hire. I don't. I just. I don't know, man. It's it's gonna be interesting to see, um, you know, who is actually on that list. And he did say that they've they've they do have some candidates in mind.
1: Yeah, he like, did say that he's already got like a short list. He, I I don't know, man. Like it, it's just <laughs> it's one of those things. Like I'm here's what I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say it can only get better because every single time that we have said that lately about anything, it has not gotten better and it has gotten worse. I remember when they when they fired Matt Nagy, Erflu- or Matt, sorry Matt Nagy it was like, well the offense has got to get better now that Matt Matt Nagy not you know he's an idiot he's no longer the calling the plays and then what do they do they go on they hire somebody way worse than him so yeah I, it's just that's kind of the thing like I get why they did it and I'm fully in support of them firing Luke Getzey um but at the same time like it's just it's going to be tough and i think the other thing to kind of note with this offensive coordinator hire is dude there were quite a few like dude bobby slowick was somebody that nobody was like standing up on the table being like yeah that's that's going to be the stud dave Canales, the same same exact thing when, when they fired uh byron leftwich people like what the hell are they doing they go and hire yeah. dave Canales, and like I mean, he, it wasn't that there was anything negative said about him, but it wasn't like he was like the hot offensive mind that everybody's like, oh my God, this is an amazing hire. So sometimes I, I wouldn't call it luck, but I think sometimes like as fans or as people who, who cover the sport, like we don't have the in depth knowledge that a lot of these coaching staffs and, and front offices do when it comes to like the up and coming coaches.
2: Yes. Um, about this press conference, you know, as we kind of wrap things up, to me, I, I and, um, you know, I think you're going to agree with this because I think, you know, we did talk about this a little bit before we got on. It was pretty standard, boring. I didn't really take anything away from it. I didn't take one way or the other, keep fields, trade fields. I don't think the needle moves at all Um, because Ryan Pulse is not going to tip his hand. Like, this is January 10th. It's pretty much the same situation as last year. Um that trade happened what late March, early Mar- March, mid March, something around there.
1: It happened right after the combine. It happened right before free. 18. Oh, so okay,
2: so it was it was like March 8th or 9th or something like
1: that. Something like that, yeah.
2: Okay, so yeah, I mean still a long process. They have to go, you know, there's gonna be the combine, there'll be pro days, there'll be 30 visits, um it, He's not going like to tip his hand on that. He's going to say all the right things. Yeah, Justin improved. Justin did this. We're, we're confident in Justin. There was a couple of questions about Justin being on the roster next year. They're not going to turn those questions down. They're not going to say, well, you know, we don't know he's going to be on the roster. Anything they say to, to, to kind of devalue the draft pick was just not going to happen or devalue Justin Fields' trade possibility or value was not going to happen. It was standard. I don't – I don't think you could take anything away from the Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jane Daniels, number one pick. Um, quotes that, that were out there. I did find it interesting though. Like we were talking, there was a couple players that they, that, you know, they call this um, building blocks. I think it was Matt Eberflus referred to it as, was it building blocks? or Something like that. Um, it was Braxton Jones. And who was the other one? Refreshing. Jack, Jack Sanborn. Jack Sanborn. That's right. And, I don't know, but like later on, as you pointed out in the press conference, um, they were essentially like asked about it again. Like you know, the, Braxton Jones was brought up in in the press conference. It was a question. I forgot who asked it, um, but it was it was late in it, and it was you know uh, about Braxton and, and polls. Kinda was like didn't give a like clear like yeah we we like we. Are 100% sold on it, I didn't think. Um, He kind of just mentioned how he spent time in the offseason working. Uh, I think it was like Olin Kreutz was helping him. He was like, I'm proud of Braxton. I think, I do believe it could be a starting left tackle, Um, but didn't really like rule anything else out. Um, I don't know, nothing else.
1: He basically said, he said he's a starting left tackle in the league, but then like basically said something like, because of where we're drafting, like we won't rule out we won't rule out any other possibilities
2: and nor should they shouldn't either. Like if they, even if they like don't like no matter what they do at one, they're going to have the option to take either an edge rusher, a wide receiver, an offensive tackle, or um, someone else that emerges whatever position that they, you know, maybe a surprise, they're going to get one of those three positions, you know? So yeah, to me, it was just typical, man. And like, and I, I took nothing away from the Kevin Warren thing. Like I, I didn't learn really much of anything during the Kevin Warren.
1: Yeah, so I think, I mean, obviously the the only other one that stood out to me with what Ryan Poles was saying was, I mean, and this kind of echoes Jalen Johnson on the score the other day, is if very clearly they found some sort of middle ground because Jalen Johnson basically said like he is 100% expecting a deal to get done and then Ryan Poles today, which the Bears actually cut the video and tweeted it out, he said like, Basically, something along the lines of like, you know, we're, we're going to get back to, you know, working on a deal. We're in a really good place right now. And he kind of paused and he said, Jalen's not going anywhere. So I, I and I think we kind of knew that. I mean, whether it was a franchise tag, whatever. Here's the thing. Ryan Poles gambled and he lost. And I don't blame him. I'm not blaming him. I'm just simply saying like, I'm just stating facts like going into this year, which, again, uh, Jalen Johnson was a little uneven. Going into this year, uh, Jalen Johnson's probably a $15 million, $16 million a year corner. Um, With the way that he played, he had the the lowest passer rating against. He had a career high four interceptions. Um, He had, I think it was like 11 or 12 pass breakups. I mean, dude was straight up one of the best corners in the league this year he made himself a lot of money. I think we're more talking in probably like the 19 to $20 million a year range right now. And that's fine. I mean, it is what it is. They have the money to do it. It is what it is. So that was one of the things I found interesting. Um, the only other thing really, I mean, I'll be honest, I listened to about 15 minutes of Kevin Warren and then uh, I had a radio spot that I had to do. And I just kind of like check on Twitter afterwards to see if there was anything noteworthy and it didn't really seem like it. The only thing that I kind of took from it was it doesn't, Particularly sound like they're close to anything with the stadium yet. Now, I'm not saying like a year or two down the road, but I don't think like we're not getting an announcement like at the end of this month. I don't think. And he basically said once shovel hits the dirt, he expects to be playing in the stadium 36 months later. I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know if you caught this, and maybe this is just kind of like a subconscious thing because you know the McCaskies, but it was interesting how many times he mentioned like cost and staying on budget, staying under budget, you know, the cheap, you know, basically going about like, I wouldn't say cheap, the cheap route, cause that's a bad way of putting it, but there was a lot of emphasis on cost there. Um, so yeah, I mean, other than that, man, I mean, it was just a lot of, I, and that's kind of the problem with these press conferences at the end of the year. Like they're not going to come out and announce what they're doing with Justin Fields. Like they're not going to come out and announce and say, yeah, we're letting Darnell Mooney walk, or yeah, we're we're gonna re-sign Justin Jones, or whatever the case may be. They're not gonna go out and be like, yeah, we're targeting. Like we've already looked enough into this draft and free agency. Like we know we have to go with a, a free agent center because we're not comfortable with the draft, or we know we're taking a rookie quarterback. We don't want a rookie center. Like there, there's not gonna be a whole lot of that. And I think that people just kind of have to understand that there's gonna be quite a break in between because obviously. The playoffs are just starting this weekend. The Super Bowl is basically the middle of February. And then we have the Combine a few weeks after that. Like Ryan Poles won't even talk until the Combine, which is what, right at the beginning of March? So there's going to be basically a a solid two-month period where we don't hear from anybody for the most part. I mean, there's going to be no press conferences. You guys get a break. Like, we'll see. Well, I guess there'll probably be some press conferences when they hire uh, coordinators or whatever, but yeah. we're not going to hear anything legitimate from Ryan Poles until the combine.
2: Uh, there, there won't be. Yeah. Cause yeah, he won't talk to the combine free agencies after that. Um, and then the draft presser as well. He so. may,
1: I, he may have a press release when they extend Jalen Johnson or whatever. I don't know. I mean, but, but again, like he's not going to, dive into like what they're going to do at the quarterback position or what their free agent plans are or what the draft plans are. Like it's like, we're still two months away from the off season really spinning up and getting going. And then we're, yeah. we're damn near what four months away from, from uh, you know, the the draft. I mean, we're, we're really far away from that. So there's, let's just put it this way. Like enjoy the last little bit of, you know, them hiring coaches and getting all that stuff squared away because there's not going to be a whole lot to learn in between now and the time
2: that the combine starts in two months. Hey, dude, it's going to be a lot of rumors. A lot of um
1: a lot of infighting on A uh, lot Twitter. of infighting,
2: a yep. lot yep. of debates back and forth. It's just yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, all right, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Work whenever everyone read your work.
1: Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on the bearreport.com.
2: You can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. Please rate, review, subscribe. All major podcasting platforms helps us and picks for polls. Until next time, everyone, please stay safe. Please stay healthy.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts.